Welcome back to another episode of Baxter's Buzz. I am your host, Baxter E. Hall. Welcome to my brain. Welcome to my frequency. Enter at your own risk. Now, today I have a special guest with me. She is an author, a publisher, a book coach, a ghostwriter, um, and her company is So It Is Written. Tanisha Johnson. Hello, Tanisha, and welcome to Baxter's Buzz. Thank you so much for having me, Baxter. Well, thank you for, for joining. Um, you know, we have started to, to build our own rapport. I have been seeing you on social media for years. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, sometimes you like follow people, but you don't really connect. Right. It's been such a pleasure, like getting to know you and also to kind of see how things sort of, how like your audience has grown over the years. It has, it definitely has, yes. Yeah, um, it's just, it's amazing to just kind of see people, even from afar, you just kind of, you know, are kind of fans of, and and, and, and so it's, it's nice to, to um, learn more about you. And today I really want to get into a number of things, but I'm hoping that uh, some of the stuff is, some stuff I can I can take some notes from and steal some steal some of your uh, habits and tips because you Let's you be it. everywhere you be <laughs> everywhere. Um, I'm trying to be everywhere. <laughs> um, so th- this is sort of a, a new sort of uh, part of the podcast. I'm I'm calling it uh, sort of muses and mentors. So I really mm. want to learn about part of your upbringing some of the things that you're doing now of course and sort of um what led what led you there so um but let's start at the very very top you said you're trying to be everywhere uh that's interesting that (laughs) tell me where you trying to be and tell me why it's important for you to kind of move around the way that you you move around yeah, so I like to tell people I am multifaceted. So, of course, I'm an author, book coach, publisher, all of that. But on the flip side of that, I am in the process of starting a nonprofit to help men and women heal from the effects of sexual abuse, um, which is a huge feat. So I have a board, I have a full nonprofit staff and all the rest of that to get that off the ground. Um, so while people know me for the books, the publishing, the book coaching, the authors, people call me the book bully. If you're on social media, I bully people into getting their books done in record time. Um, but even in that, I feel like the Lord is really shifting me into a different lane. And that's uh, helping people heal from the effects of sexual abuse, both men and women. So, yeah. 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 And your um, most recent book, Hush 2. Yes. Can you, can you talk about hush um the original hush and then hush too and some like some of the there's a couple distinct differences but just overall can you talk about sort of the evolution between the, the two books and the, the different for sure. uh, stories yeah for sure so hush the first book is called hush breaking the cycle of silence around sexual abuse and there are seven women who bravely share their story of overcoming sexual abuse Not all of them were molested as a child. Some were raped as adults. So we tackle both rape and molestation. Um, The difference between Hush 2 is that the Lord really opened a door for me to tap into African-American males. Mm -hmm. And so there are three males who are highlighted in the book, um, Jervis Canty, Hoy Monk, and Theo. 
And so these men bravely chose to share their stories of being sexually abused in some form or fashion when they were children. So we have both men and women in Hush 2 versus the first one was just women. The third edition will actually be all men. <laughs> so oh. we're actually, yeah, we're actually reaching out to, um, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with the man who um, is sitting outside the house of the president of the University of Michigan to get answers of why they were sexually abused when they were on the football team, like back in the eighties. So there are many black males who are coming forward yeah. um, to share their story bravely of being sexually abused or molested as a child. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's every, you know, there's courage being shown on every level. The, yeah. obviously the contributors, um, you know, God giving you these opportunities to, to help people share their stories and to heal. Um, I just want to say like, kudos to you. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, important, important, you know, uh, Anything that you create is important, but these contributions, because it's impacting and sharing the, the, the stories of so many people that I'm sure haven't really done a lot of sharing over the years, right? Right, right. and so a lot of them have not done the healing work, they haven't done the soul work, they haven't done the work that's required to kind of peel back the layers um, and get to the root of their anger, their bitterness. They know it's related to the sexual abuse um, but they don't know how to necessarily heal from it and forgive. And so that's the mission of our nonprofit to be able to sit in small groups, to have those hard discussions and work people through the real healing process. And so it's, it's pivotal um, in this season. I'm just honored that African-American males would choose to open up to me. One of the guys um, in Hush 2, he literally shared his story for the first time in the book. He's never shared it. Wow. anywhere else. His mother didn't know. His family didn't know. Um, immediately, he got phone calls when we came out with the book because they literally did not know. And he's wow. 51. He's wow. 51. So he's sharing his story for the first time. And I'm just I'm just grateful to be a caveat. I'm just grateful to be a change agent, a change agent in the earth for that. Um, yeah. Because I tell people, yeah, it happened to me, but it really happened for me. It happened for me, and I believe that in order for God to get the glory, it needs to be on a bigger scale. So, thus, we're starting a nonprofit around it. That's amazing. That's amazing. And what's the name of the nonprofit? The Monarch Circle. The Monarch Circle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so, now let's go back. Um, like, how would you descri describe your upbringing, uh, Tanisha? Ooh. <laughs> Raised by a single mother. Uh, I was actually born to a 13-year-old mother. So me and my mother are only 13 years apart. I was raised more so like her sister than her daughter, of course. Raised by my grandmother up until the age of 10. Relocated from Chicago to Detroit. Um, but yeah, I was, I was raised by a teen mom pretty much and my grandmother. Never met my father to this day. I'm 42. Never met my biological father. If he walked down the street, I always tell people, I wouldn't know who he is, never had a conversation, don't have a picture, never got a phone number, um, never got a Christmas card, birthday card, any of that. Wow. So there's a, there's a big chunk of my life that remains a mystery um, that I kind of like to infuse into my writing with the assumptions that I've come up with over the years about where he is and what happened. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as a playwright and as an author, I get to infuse that into my books and my stage plays and movies and all of that. 
Um, but yeah, I've never met him. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I was telling you before we um, started to record this picture of my mom. Um, she passed away when I was eight and I, I didn't deal with, not that I had a choice, but my mother's side of the family, I just didn't see as often when she passed away. And right. so um, I knew I knew the halls um, and I, I was around the hall. And so I had this idea of like what my mom's side of the family was and like, you know, uh, this very like majestic, right you know i'm missing right pristine group because you know i'm like piecing together a few little stories that i remember and like the people and it was like i thought that they were just the top you know cream of the crop and there's some great people but they just they regular like the rest of us you know but in my mind you know i just you know you have more access to one the other one you had to kind of leave you know leave to the imagination and so i I probably set the bar way too high as far as who they, who they were, you know? Um, So you talk, you talk about your dad um, and sort of not, 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 not knowing him. What sort of things, when you think about your childhood, what kind of stands out uh, to you? Wow. Um, Good or bad, because there was a lot of, (laughs) You know, um, raised by my grandmother, thank God for her. But rumor had it I was supposed to be aborted when Baxter, let's be real. Let's think about it. A 13 year old girl. If I was 13, I would probably consider abortion, too. Um, You know, it's easy to say, no, don't have an abortion. But at 12, 13, even 16 years old, you're still a child yourself. You know, so grateful that my grandmother kind of interceded for me. Um, but yeah, rumor had it, I was supposed to be aborted. And when I think about that and what I'm doing today, it's like, I can't let my life go to waste Mm -hmm. every day. I'm always striving. I'm always reaching. My husband is like, can you just live in the moment? And I'm like, no, I'm the visionary in the house. I'm already into the next house that we haven't purchased yet. I'm already like (laughs) into the cars that we don't have yet. He's like, can you just enjoy what we have now? I'm like, no there's a vision and we need to get to the vision, you know? So, um, always reaching, always striving, Mm -hmm. just really wanting my life to be, um, impactful in the earth and be remembered for being a caveat of change. I'm all about transforming lives, all about transforming lives. When did, when did that happen? Like, do you, like as a young person, like a young child, do you remember, like your thought process, do you remember when things started to click or change or? So as a young child, it was very negative, very depressed, um, very sad. I didn't feel like I had any worth. Nobody was telling me I'm beautiful. I'm pretty, you know, I was the smart girl, you know, and that, that was about the extent of the conversation. You were the, that the what? The smart girl. The smart girl. The smart girl, not the pretty girl, not the beautiful girl, not the girl everybody want to take out but you're the smart one. Mm. Um, And so just really, really striving for identity, Mm. not really knowing who I was, whose I was, um, not really knowing my purpose, not really knowing what I was in the earth to do. I literally probably just found that out probably, you know, at the age of 30 or later, um, just through different tests and different 
trials and different small group discussions and things like that. Um, and just discovering my passion, just typing, you know, tapping into the word of God and asking him, you know, why am I really here? When you created me, what was the original intent? Yeah. You know, so but as a child, no, I didn't I didn't know any of that. I, I thought the opposite. I thought I was worthless. I thought mm. I was ugly. I thought because, you know, we were taught that dark skin is worse than like the darker kid is the bad kid. And so. Of course, coming up, even in the black community, it's like the mm. light skin versus the dark skin. It's right. not even, you know, white versus black. It's more so light skin versus dark skin. So that's real. Yeah. Yeah. All of those <clears throat> things played a part in me literally having to break down everything I thought I knew and rebuild of who God says I am because I wasn't told that coming up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. <clears throat> it just it just happened. Um to me like recently, you know how people say, um, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. Right. Um, it just kind of clicked after some conversations that I had that it's actually the opposite, Tanisha. I feel like there are a million different instances and scenarios where we're not here. We right. are supposed to be here. And um, it's important for people to feel that that value and feel that they have something to contribute to this world because, you know, it, it, it was us and, you know, and, and getting to this point, it's a huge deal coming, it is. you know, in, in the black community, some of the things I'm sure that you've seen, some things that I've experienced. Um, it's, it, it's not just a foregone conclusion that we would be in our forties and these productive, you know, members of society. Sure. Um, yeah. And Baxter, one of the things I saw the other day, I can't think of his name. He's a motivational speaker, um, Caucasian guy, but he has no legs, no arms. And he's like walking across the stage, but he no legs, no arms, just torso. And um, he said, many people see me as disabled. But if you don't know your purpose and if you don't know your destiny, if you don't know why you're here, you are more disabled with arms and legs than I am. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. And that struck with me like, whoa, we yeah. will look at a person who's disabled in a wheelchair or, well, they can't walk or they can't talk or they can't. Yeah. But he's killing the game in motivational yeah. speaking right yeah. now because he knows his purpose yeah. and he doesn't have arms and legs, but it's like, what? How are yeah. you even on stage? You know, but if you don't know your purpose and you don't know your destiny, if you really don't know why you're here, we're disabled. Yes, they're absolutely right. And um, and it's hard to get your head around it sometimes. And I've been writing about some of these things where it's like this restlessness that you feel, you you know, you, you just there's just something sort of this itch that you can't scratch right you know how mm -hmm. you're like you know how the bottom of your foot be itching and you can't ever get to it it's like can't find dang. the source yeah yeah <clears throat> and you know what kind of yeah it's like you know understanding that purpose i mean um thank god you know i have a better understanding of of what i you know i'm here to do and that doesn't mean it's not going to change but right. i'm just very thankful that i i finally have a, a clearer picture uh, of that so right when, when we talk about you know uh we know people that have been just as talented 
maybe more people that we um, looked up to at, at one point in time, but they're not here anymore. Um, either they're, yeah. you know, physically, they're not here anymore. Maybe, you know, they may be in prison. They, they, or they may not be contributing in the way that they vision for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever think about um, survivors' guilt? Like I do, yeah, I can, I kind of do. Um, but I try to turn that guilt into empowerment and use it to push forward and use it to move forward and not get stuck because there are people who had great dreams, great visions, who aren't here to see the manifestation of it. Um, And so I realized that we are probably the product of many people's prayers, many people's Mm. wishes, many people's dreams. Um, To have published 19 books, looking back when I thought it was impossible to publish one, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's from a grandmother who I don't even think she graduated high school. It's just, you know, I would love if they could see me now, you know, that type That's of right. thing. Yeah. Um, but using that as ammunition as opposed to survivor's guilt, as yeah. people call it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's a, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> David Letterman has this uh the show on Netflix. I don't know if it's if it was just like one season or if he's still doing it. But he had, you know, he basically was having his talk show on Netflix and he had a number of guests on. And the interview a few years ago that really stood out to me was this uh, was the Jerry Seinfeld um interview. <clears throat> First of all, I think Jerry is, is fascinating and um he's honest and he has a very interesting I think a lot of comedians have this very interesting perspective on life in general mm-hmm. but um they were talking about the um the actor Freddie Prince uh-huh the original Freddie Prince who um not to be confused with Freddie Prince Jr., his, his son, but Freddie Prince was this this phenom, I, I guess, back in the seventies, and they, they were he was like a rising star. Everyone sort of knew it, and he took his own life. He was twenty two years old, wow. um, and and they were sort of you know kind of reminiscing about him. And, and uh, Jerry talked about talent being a horse, being this horse, mm. and um, the way he worded it was essentially if the way you can sort of ride this thing and figure this thing out is going to determine, you know, are, are yeah. you going to be successful or is it going to throw you, throw you off? Right. Right. Um, and, and I, and he, and when he said it, I literally was obsessed with this thought and this, this like, like this horse, like this, you know, this imagery of like this vehicle sort of taking us from one place to, to another right um and i was like what's my horse well what do i like what what's my vehicle and i'm on a horse but i'm on the right horse like right you know <clears throat> right like can i be going faster if i if i was on a different horse and a different vehicle um right when you think about like your 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 horse like your your talent your go-to sort of the thing that sort of uh, that you feel most strongly about 
mm-hmm. as far as your abilities, like what would that be? For me, it's definitely writing. It's mm. writing. Um, writing and editing probably run toe to toe. But even in that, I feel like God eventually is causing me to change horses <laughs> because as much as I love the writing piece, I feel like eventually I'll still be under the umbrella of the so it is written and doing the publishing and all that. I won't be doing the tangible day to day work. I'll probably have a team, um, but I'll be more focused on the transformational work with the nonprofit. Mm. So I can see myself moving books, not for any dislike or disgruntledness toward books or publishing or authors, just because it's time to get on a different horse. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 so I, one of the people I thought about a lot when I started to really examine this was like LeBron James, for example, he's a, a pretty, pretty popular uh, guy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think about like, you know, his skill level that what he's worked on from like a basketball standpoint, like that's his horse today, but he's definitely has other ventures and other things that he's doing. And I really think that sometimes we need to just get to this destination and then change, change horses. And um, I think sometimes we get so, so set in what we're doing that we can't see kind of what's next. And right. so you, you, you know, you talked about yourself being a visionary. You definitely um, are looking, you know, are able to sort of zoom in and zoom, and zoom out and, and kind of see what's next, which isn't yeah. always easy to do. It's not. And it can be hard to stay focused on the present when you can see the future so clear. Mm. On the flip side of that, it can be frustrating because there are some days where I feel I'm so very close to touching the future that I can see in my vision. And then other days where it's like, how in the world is this going to happen? How am I going to do a documentary on sexual abuse with both men and women next year? How? When? And then how do I pitch it to Netflix? Like, how do you how do you even rationalize the process in our little minds you know so yeah yeah you got my mind all over the place because I (laughs) because you know I feel I feel very similarly where um you know my thing is trying to lock in and trying to focus and making sure that I'm kind of in the moment and then I got such a busy time for me um the last several months that people were asking me questions about the future and I was like uh -uh." I got really was like so locked in but it's like I was forced to kind of look up and say okay well what's next what's what's going on right yeah and it's like um sometimes it's really clear they get a little cloudy right and you're trying to figure out you know you're still going in the right direction and you see what you see. And um, it's just always isn't as clear because of whatever's in front of us like today that we have to deal with Mm -hmm. and process. Yeah. Um, How do you balance? Because you're also um, very project oriented. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you can kind of lock in. Like that's the that's the superpower I don't have. And I feel like 
I've gotten so much better, but I'm still, that's not a strength of mine. Like, how do you go from um, looking at these things that you know are coming down the line to, to, to lock in, to write a book, to, to coach people, to help, you know, write, help them get through their books. Cause that's very much like in the weeds. I don't like the weeds. Right. I'd be like, I don't know what's in there. You know, right. Right. I like to look a little bit, a lot above and, 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 and try to see what's next. I have the idea and then it's like, okay, how do I get this thing off the ground? I'm not the one that's always able to, I could put the plan together, but I'm not always the one to carry out the plan. How right. do you balance both? Like it's, it's like almost two different sides of, of your brain. Yeah. So for me, um, my husband is key in reeling me in because otherwise I'm all over the place too. And I, I'm just go. It's, it's always a green light. Just go Just start doing the next thing. Um, and so I have a vision for film. I have a vision for other stage productions. I've done a stage production before. Um, there's a vision for a conference for Christian entrepreneurs, ministry in the marketplace. But I can't get so far ahead of God that I start creating a train wreck, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, because we already know the word says the vision is for an appointed time. So I'm waiting for that appointed time. At the same time, I want to be careful with that because some people use that as an excuse to be lazy and mm. slowful and say, well, I'm waiting on God. No, he's waiting on you. Like yeah. the book needs to be written and then he'll release the funds for you to publish or do whatever you need to do. Um, speaking of that, I'm supposed to be working on a book right now. <laughs> um, but again, it's balancing my pro my personal projects with the projects of my clients because I know I'm supposed to be kicking out content. I need to make sure that I'm committed to the agreements that I've signed with clients as well. So it's prioritizing that. Um, and self-care is a big thing. Like just taking a moment in the morning, it may be 4, 35 o'clock and I'm up reading the word. I have a coloring journaling Bible. So I'm coloring in it. I'm writing mm -hmm. what I'm grateful for. I take that time in the morning before anybody to just write, listen to worship, just listen, just listen. Sometimes we get so busy that we don't take time to just listen for what's yeah. next um, yeah. so that we don't make mistakes, so that we don't have missteps. Wow. Um, I think that as I look at this skill that you have, that I'm, I'm, sh I'm sharpening this this tool, and yours is sharp, razor sharp, right? <laughs> um, I, I, I'd like to think that all of this project-based stuff that you're doing is really building muscles that you're gonna need for these other things, it right? Is. Because is. the thing that I struggle with is. Um, I have these ideas and I I have to figure out when is the appropriate time to bring other people in to sort of help with this. Right. And and one of the reasons I've been so consistent with like the podcast and, and some of those things is because I can do a lot of it on my own. Right. And but Baxter, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. So here's the here's the dilemma. <laughs> I don't always want to, but I don't, I can't wait either. Right. Right. So, th so, so there's um, a number of other projects that I'd like to do that are more collaborative and mm -hmm. I've talked to people about them. 
they're probably rolling their eyes right now when they see it. Um, because they're like, dang, I haven't responded or I haven't we we haven't nailed down dates or whatever. And I have these ideas, but I can't force anybody to like be as involved and like engaged as, as I am. So I try Correct. to focus on the projects that I know I can control on my own. Mm-hmm. Not out of spite, but out of necessity because I still got stuff I want to accomplish. But the other part is, are you are you trying to collaborate with these people because you think it's a good idea or this is the person you know God said collaborate with this person? I guess I'd, I'd have to examine each of these things and really and really you know yeah um yeah. spend some time because there were some because there were some times where i thought i would collaborate with people on projects and i went to one particular person four or five six times about doing a stage production collaboratively writing it splitting the proceeds splitting the cost all of that and they haven't moved on it and i had to come to the realization is it really a good idea for us to Am I supposed to collaborate at all? Maybe this is a project God is just calling me to do as a solo project. Yeah. I'm all about collaborations because I feel like we can go further faster together. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I can't wait on you dragging your feet. And it's been two or three years and I've been asking you about this production and it's still on my heart. And it's key. It's it's centered around the African-American experience with mothers and daughters and why it's bro- why the relationships are broken. Mm. nobody really tackles that because we're so quick to glorify black single mothers and then Mm -hmm. being strong and then being the pillar of the community and all of the glamorous things but what about the women yeah (laughs) but what about the women who don't have the feel good going to the mall shopping with mom experience that we paint the picture of on mother's day like mother's day can be very challenging for me well, now we now we didn't we didn't land it somewhere uh, else. <laughs> but you know, I, you know, as a as a man um, who who's married to a black woman, and you know has have dated black women, and you know, black women are my friends, my family, right? It is an interesting dynamic when you think about because um, because I, I think about this, and I've had conversations around this. Part of it is to prepare, properly prepare my daughter for the unknown, right? Yes. And there's a lot of like of that, just instilling confidence and instilling mm-hmm. this independence, right? But the, on the other end, maybe you're not able to build that bond because you're, you're more so preparing them for something. Or, or maybe now right. it's impacting their love life right? because they have been built to be able to handle it on their own. They've been prepared as a solo artist right? or they've never seen it because they their mom was single. Correct. So they don't, they've never seen how uh, the band play with the singers in the back, you know. <laughs> The right. other thing was the the, the solo uh, artist, right. and and so all these things, and then you know, then we get together and we're trying to figure out how to work together. And I'm broken, you broken, and we don't right. We we don't even have the tools yet 
to right. really, you know, so yeah, it, it's a, that's, a, that's a really interesting, very dynamic sort of relationship and then how it impacts, you know. The community as a whole. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's real though. But I'm, I'm, I'm going there, Baxter. One thing you will learn about me is that everything I've been through in my life, good, bad, or indifferent, um, I try to, I try to utilize it. I try to repurpose it. It may be mm. a book. It may be a short film. It may be a documentary, but I try to repurpose it. Um, I'm definitely an advocate for helping people overcome depression, suicidal thoughts, those things, because for a big fraction of my life, I battle with suicidal thoughts. Mm. And like you said, there are people who had millions. I mean, you think about Kate Spade, millions, you got stores internationally. It wasn't enough to keep her not from killing herself. You know, so I just, the mindset is we don't value mental illness, health enough in the black community. We don't value physical health, let alone, you know, just based on things that we eat. Um, But mental health, you know, it's like an afterthought. Yeah, I'll go to a counselor for about six sessions and then I'm good. No, you're good until the next trigger hits. So, yeah. And the six sessions, that's new. Right. That's you yeah, know. that's brand new. They yeah. they just didn't know you. Yeah. Right. No, I'm saying that that the acceptance of that. Of, oh yes. Of the even starting starting the sessions, right? Yeah. That's still yeah. that's still well, very, what I very love, new. what I love is um I go to a ministry that is very small group driven. And so small groups are a way, in my opinion, to get people to go to counseling without it feeling like counseling. Because you're in a small group. It's like eight to 10 people, yeah. you know, so it doesn't feel like all eyes on me. Yeah. 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 Um, I was just listening to something and I, I was pulling some some notes together for, for something I'm working on. It, um, I love the thought of like trying to repurpose these experiences, right? Yes. Um, wins and losses or lessons yeah. or whatever you want to, because mm-hmm. there's something to be pulled pulled from that. Um, I, I think that sometimes we're looking at the wrong lesson, though. Like I feel like, yeah. Um, I recorded a podcast. Um, uh, I, w- what you learn about me is I'm all over the place. Um, and so I have these thoughts and then it triggers these these things that doesn't feel like it matches. And I try to pull them together. Um, so I was thinking about like pizza, right? Yes. So um, I <laughs> I can't have the, the dairy. Ah. Um, and I also <laughs> don't eat pork anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so pizza, you know, pizza's different for me these days. <laughs> Let's just say. And I was thinking about somebody that may have a slice of pizza and may feel sick. Um, uh-huh. They may think it's the dairy. They may not realize that they have some intolerance to the pork, to the pepperoni. Right. They and may so for not me, it's the pork. I can't have the pork. <laughs> it may yeah. be the gluten, maybe the gluten. Right. They don't know. They've they've figured it out in their head. And now it's the confirmation bias. And they're gonna make it make sense. 
Right. And they're not sitting back to truly examine what they should really be pulling from that situation. You know, they just haven't. It's so it's much easier to just file it away. You know, I think we miss a lot of there's a lot of great opportunities that we're missing out on because the work that it takes to maybe work through some of these things, you know. Right. It's work. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like work. We want a quick fix. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Those six sessions, right, of of counseling. Oh, we, we must be good. We must be, right. you know. Yeah. So right. all these things, Until you know. Until you we, cross another landmine. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um talk about uh you mentioned at the at the beginning, but I, I'd like you to unpack it a little bit more. When you think about um how you want to be remembered and like your contribution. Yeah. Um it seems that's something that you you think about. You're, you're pretty aware of. Um, mm-hmm. What does that look like to you? How how would you like to be remembered? Wow. So kind of like Maya Angelou. When I think about Maya Angelou, she did a lot. Um, her books, her poems, um, people have recited it for years in different venues on different platforms, different races. Um, you know, she has sat with presidents, she sat with vice presidents, she's produced with Tyler Perry, you know, she's been in movies, she's been, she literally, to me, squeezed every ounce of her gift out in the earth. Um, and I mean, there, she pins some things in her poetry that will be forever remembered forever repeated. I mean, like, Still I Rise, just the poem Still I Rise, how many people have recited that, you know, over and over and over again? Um, And so for me, it was transformational. She wasn't just a writer. She was a transformational writer. And if you listen to the words, they were piercing both, you know, to the soul and to the heart, to me. Um, But she she didn't just write random words those words had meaning they had meaning and her goal was to transform the world through her words and to me she did it she did yeah yeah and that's how you want to be that's how you want to be remembered absolutely absolutely I, i think about um sammy davis jr He's another person that I really want to spend time like learning more about. I think that there was a there was a point where you you would have these different skills and interests and passions and you could do them. Mm-hmm. And then we reached a point where it felt like entertainment and just regular life where you were they were specializing us and you had to be this one thing you know and it's like oh no you can't do that you're doing this right um and and i think that i think we have so much to give i think you have so much to give um i think that i have so much to give and and it's probably not going to be one medium Right. You know, and right. it doesn't mean right. that I'm going to be world renowned. Um, it's it means that I have passions that I need to make. I have uh, gifts and 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 talents that I want to 
sharpen and sh- and share regardless of right. what the you know that that's the thing it's a it's the um the going where we feel like God is leading us not for any attention or fame it's just no I have right. other things that I want to do and right. um and, and share key, and contribute but the key is Baxter like you said we have many gifts and talents and I mean I think about Christmas so my daughter always gets God 20 to 30 gifts and after she opens about eight you can't even tell where the gifts are that's unwrapped versus the gifts that are still wrapped under the tree and so we overlook so many gifts. I, I just believe that there are gifts inside of us that we have yet to unwrap because we're so focused on the gifts that we have already unwrapped that we want to play with those and she'll get stuck. Like she'll just play with this one thing mm-hmm. and we're like, you have 13 more gifts under the tree. You have not unwrapped, man. We spent money on this. Unwrap these gifts. Now, now wait. Now I got to ask you, who, who between you and your husband, who's giving who the side icon? I told you we shouldn't have bought all those gifts. <laughs> right. So I'm the I'm the parent that's like they have enough. But, and at one point we be because we both grew up with I'll never forget I was in my grandmother's house. I went to bed with probably five gifts under the tree, and I was like, but when I get up, Santa's going to come, and there are going to be like twenty gifts under the tree. I got up and went to the bathroom, and it was them same sad five gifts under the tree. So at that point, it was like, oh, no, no, it can't. So when our kids go to bed, there's nothing under the tree. When they wake up, the tree is full. Yeah. They know it's not Santa, but it's just it's just the fun of it. But even still, if you relate it to how God gives us gifts, we unpack and then we get inundated with that one or two gifts that we absolutely love. Oh, my God, I got the iPad. Let me just focus on the iPad. They don't care what the other gifts are, but I believe it's God's plan to unwrap all the gifts while we're in the earth. What good is it once we leave the earth if we're here on assignment and we don't unpack all of our gifts? It's not a gift until you give it away. So, Mm. yeah. It's not a gift until you give it away. That's profound. Because... Because how do you, maybe you're not supposed to have, get all the gifts at one time, or maybe you're not, maybe you're supposed, maybe some of these things build on one another. I believe it. Mm -hmm. And we're not supposed to have all 20 at the same time, because that's, that's that restlessness, right? Going back to our, at the beginning, well, we don't know, you know, where we should be going. And I, I think about, how you feel at your best when you feel super, man, you know, um, this was a great day. I'm content. I'm fulfilled. What, did, what, did, what, what happened that day? Spend time thinking about what that was, what, yeah. and, and, and figure out how to repeat it, you yeah. know? And I yeah. think that we go from that back to whatever else, and we don't, we know it felt good, but we, it may not, we may not spend that time really dissecting what it was about that, that made right. us feel, feel our hearts, you know, and, right. and made us right. so, you know, content. So, you know, it's really about just listening to yourself, right? And spending that time in prayer, meditation, whatever that quiet 
so that you can, re, you know, properly reflect and the, the yeah. world be moving so fast. We just don't always see, feel like we have the time for it. Yeah. And I mean, like you said before, it's not for the attention. It's not for us to get, um, you know, the glory or for our names to be great. I think that as part of it, I think that comes with the territory. Um, if you're just walking in your greatness anyway, and the world begins to recognize it, but long before that, God has already confirmed the greatness within. So I just believe it's up to us to tap into the greatness within. And I tell people, get in your lane and burn rubber in your lane. Don't look to the right or to the left. Just like when horses are racist, they, they have on blinders and we have to put on blinders. Take social media off your phone. It's 10% of a person's life that they choose to post and you are in a dark hole because you couldn't go to Disney World this year for Christmas. I mean, literally, that's how quickly social media can like change our psyche. So I tell people just come off of it all together if you have to for a season. Because if you're basing your life on what you see on social media, what did we do before social media? Okay, so you so all the podcasts I recorded, you didn't uh, this week. You didn't touch them. So um, so so this is so this is, um, you know, my brain. I'm looking at the sun. I open up the blinds. Beautiful sun shining. Yes. I look at the temperature. It's 28 out there. It's cold. I I said, that's social media. Right. I said, that sun. That sun is social media. That sun is saying everything great. That ain't real. That's not real life. That's only very a right. part of That's it. a part of it. That's a, a part, part of it. it. Right. And people are posting. I talked about people posting their highlights. And us comparing our whole life to, a to, highlight. That, to that highlight. To a highlight. Yeah. It's no yeah. wonder we anxious and depressed. Yeah. Because we're not looking at it with uh, with the proper perspective, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, and you as a person have to know when it's time to I call it silencing the noise. It's okay. Take the apps off your phone. Take it off your computer. You can leave your page up if that's what you feel like you need to do. Sometimes I go in and I actually deactivate my pages. Dark. Because I cannot, and it's still so much of our time, so mm-hmm. much of our time that we that we can't produce at the level we're supposed to be producing at. Right, right. We're looking at everybody else produce. Right. We become consumers only. Mm-hmm. And we're watching these people produce stuff that we, we want to do. Right. Yeah. Um. All right. This is why we. This is why you have these conversations. Um, <laughs> all right, let's 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 wrap. I, I I think about what you just said about getting in your lane and burning rubber. I love that. Yeah. Um. How do you? How do you know? So if someone's looking at this and they're like glued to this conversation because of these are things that they've been dealing with, struggling with, mm-hmm. how does someone kind of figure out what their lane is if they don't know? I think the biggest thing is, you know, knowing what drives you and what are you passionate about? 
And I always ask people, what would you do for free if nobody was paying you? If nobody was paying me, I'm empowering authors all day, every day, twice on Sunday, eight times a day. I'm texting people, calling people, hey, what's going on with your book? They're not paying me to do that. But because I care and because I want you to get your book out into the earth and I know you have a great story, I'm following up. Like I'm your secret accountability partner. So the things that you would do for free, that's probably one of your gifts that you Mm -hmm. should tap into and get in that lane and burn a rubber. Um, I feel like a lot of people want to be coaches. They want to be life coaches, business coaches. That's good, but have you really mastered? Me, a coach has to be a master. I need to know that you have results. Not that you went through the process, but do you have results on the other end? Mm -hmm. And so I would tell people, what do you do that nobody else does like you? Now, somebody else is book coaching, but they don't do it like I do it. Because when I do it, I'm all about creating seven to 12 different of income from that one book that you have. Like Hush, you see Hush. Hush will be a documentary. If I can do a stage play, audio book, physical book, e-book, seven to 12 different streams of income just from one book. So that's what sets me apart. But literally people have to know like their incredible factor, their wow factor. You have to find what drives you. And for me, it's the written word because I know the written word. If it's transformed my life, it has the power to transform others. Mm. Books have literally shifted the trajectory. When I was battling with forgiveness, it was one line in one book that was like, forgiveness is not a process. It's a decision. Mm. And I was like, whoa, it's a process because you tell yourself it's a process. It's a decision. Make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. So I know the power of books and words and words give life. They give life or death. But I like to use my pen to give life. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to push back a little bit on a, a part of what you said um as far i feel like you you you're um more evolved than some some people are and mm-hmm. you you've identified your lane right and and i I'll, I'll say this um because i believe it sometimes it's not about trying to determine what we do better than other people we got to first figure out what we feel like we do better like what we do best internally yeah Mm -hmm. and then we can see how it maybe stacks up but the first thing is really that self reflection and sometimes people start peaking too too early too early yeah about what other people are doing but they don't have their stuff together yeah right you know what i mean but i agree i agree wholeheartedly as far as like and the other thing is, I tell people back to what can you do to literally have the greatest level of impact and transformation on others? Not income, but impact. Because it has to be about impact and transformation. Because even when the money isn't coming, otherwise, you're going to want to quit if it's just about income. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. Um, Tell us the name of the um, the nonprofit again. The name of the nonprofit is the Monarch Circle. So it's kind of a 
play on words. So the monarch butterfly, but also the monarch king, king of kings, um, because we will be serving both men and women. So we went with the monarch circle. It'll be a combination of small groups, special events. Um, we'll be doing different events around the city, but the premise of the monarch circle is to have pockets of small groups having the discussion around sexual abuse in many different areas running simultaneously. That's amazing. And then the um, your publishing, writing, book coaching yeah. segment. Um, tell me what, what that is, what the name of, of the company is. Yep. So the name is So It Is Written, and people can find out more at soitiswritten.net, or they can go to my personal website, tanitajohnson.com. There it is. Um, this was a, a amazing conversation. Um, I um, am so thankful that we've been able to to talk and connect, and you know, yes, I can learn more about you and your story. I feel like I really want like another hour, but we don't have the time. Um, <laughs> bring me back, Baxter. Just yeah, bring me back next yeah. year. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, uh, just. Congratulations for all the work that you're doing, for all the people that Thank you're you. inspiring. Thank you for inspiring me, truly. Um, and to the, uh, the audience out there, I want um, to let everyone know that you are capable um, and to still, Tanita's uh, line, you know, you have to find your lane and then burn rubber. But yeah. um, it's important to embrace your own frequency. Um, on behalf of Tina, I am Baxter E. Hall. Uh, thank you so much for, for uh, watching and supporting. Please like, subscribe, share wherever you are, if you're listening or if you're watching. Um, the, the continued support is appreciated. And um, until next time, peace.